This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. And I really hope that this, um, my voice is coming through well because I'm trying to new headphones. And uh, I finally, I think I finally figured out how to work them. So, um, but it's going to be a great day because I have a debut author um, to talk to. And, it, and I love debut authors because I remember being a debut author. And to have someone as excited about the story I wrote um, is just a huge big deal because for anybody who's a writer, it can be very solitary and it can be very difficult to um, just to get through the whole story and get it the way you want it. So it's always fun to talk to uh, writers who are, uh, have created something brand new for all of us to read. Um, and her name is Lisa Rowe. So after graduating from the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University and spending many years as an advertising creative director and copywriter in New York City, Lisa Rowe accepted the tougher job of, staying, of a stay-at-home mom, amen, sister, and turned, into, mm-hmm. turned to writing fiction, mostly to entertain her kids, but then to tell her own stories. And I'm sure part of that writing process was a therapy. We'll get to that in a second. Um, a classic firstborn, a reluctant empty nester, and a Dr. Jubilee little wannabe. Lisa lives in New Jersey with her husband and three incorrigible dogs. Welcome to the Neighborhood is her debut novel with Sourcebooks. You can find what Lisa's up to by signing up for her newsletter at her website and following her on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Goodreads. And I've got links for all of that in the write-up of the show. Welcome, Lisa. How are you? Thank you, Patricia. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I've heard such such amazing things about Syracuse University and the public communications um, programs and everything else. Did you feel like that just made you a better writer in general, or do you, how much of that set into you wanting to move into fiction writing? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, Syracuse Communication School is a great school, and P.S. I went there a million years ago, so. Whatever I say about it now might be different. But I actually went through the advertising program where I was really taught to be um, an account executive, which is not a writing, okay. uh, the writing end of advertising at all. So um, I really kind of learned to write as an advertising person. I was a copywriting and creative director from the other copywriters and creative directors I worked for when I first got into the business. My very first job was as a, as a typist. That was pre-computer, okay. I'm embarrassed to say. Um, and I learned <laughs> from them. So that's, that's where I started writing. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because advertising copywriting is not fiction. You know, you have a, a very specific uh, goal you have to, you know, you have to meet in terms of selling product. But it definitely uh, gave me, I think, what is a little bit of my voice, which is this sort of like get it out in 30 seconds and, you know, make it clear, entertain, get someone's attention, you know, get, make right. a point. So, so I think that is where, where that all started. Right, because it has to be succinct. I mean, people aren't going to read three pages about why they should buy this car. I mean, it's got to be like catching you right then, that hook. It's gotta absolutely. Be yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So honed my craft so, there. Yeah. That, it, that, 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 that absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you – 
took the tougher job of stay-at-home mom, which is, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, but unless you've been a stay-at-home mom, and I know there's a lot of women out there that um, work outside the home as well as at home, um, and it, it's a lot because you're never off. Um, Correct. You know, when you stay at home, I mean, good luck going to the bathroom ever by yourself again because it's just never going to happen. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. So <laughs> your privacy is gone. I mean, it doesn't yes. exist anymore. Um, yeah. So how old were your kiddos when you started writing your fiction? Well, to your point of never having any privacy and never having any time to yourself, um, I really didn't do any writing until my kids were old enough to kind of go off and have, you know, their own space and their own time. And I have to say that I know a lot of writers right now who are, have very young children and are managing, you know, to write beautiful books and get them published and even, you know, with infants. And I just was never that kind of person. I sort of focused on the thing that was in front of me, and at the time it was my kids. So my kids were, um, I'm going to say middle school, so 12, 14, okay. around then when I, when I first started writing fiction, picked up fiction again. So I had been away from writing anything for a very long time. Yeah, it yeah it, it and I think that it's interesting because I have friends of mine who, um, you know, they're I feel like they're so much farther ahead than I am in my writing in the writing careers. But when we all started around the same time, one of my friends, her son was in high school, pretty self sufficient. I have another friend whose kids, her youngest one, was in middle school, like you're talking about, where I had kids that were, you know, two and four. Six and eight. Oh yeah, and and that's yeah. a whole different thing. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, your brain is definitely different at these different ages of life. So for anyone out there saying, but how can so and so do it? It's like, but you will find your time. Just keep writing. Absolutely. Just keep writing your notes. Just keep doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that um, that your your focus is different at different parts of your life. So, you know, I was very focused on raising my kids. I really couldn't think beyond that. And like I, like, you know, you read in my bio, I told my kids a lot of stories. I made up a lot of stories, um, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really doing that for myself. I wasn't telling the, you know, the story that I felt I needed to tell at the time. And also, you know, everyone is so different. It's so hard not to compare yourself to everybody else's journey, but, like I said, yeah. I, I, you know, I know people who said, oh, I'm pregnant. I have to have, go into labor and have a baby before, you know, but I'll be back finishing my manuscript tomorrow. And, you know, I have <laughs> friends right now, debut authors. One um, young man, I call him, who is lovely, and his book is coming out next month, he's my daughter's age. And he's, yeah. he has two books coming out next year. And it's just everyone is so different. And I will admit, you know, I know I shouldn't really – talk about our age or whatever, but I was 50 when I started writing fiction for myself, and that was 12 years ago. I had been working on it for that long. So do the math or don't do the math. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's really so hard to, you know, sort of just stay on your own path and, you know, do what you can in the time that you have. Being a mother is really hard, and it's, I was exhausted when my kids were young, just exhausted all the time. Yeah. There was no space to do anything else. So the time comes. You know, if you're, if you're the kind yes. of person like me who needs to do it, you know, sort of one big heavy thing at a time. And I don't think, you know, I worked ER, I worked a lot of nights and everything before I had kids. And um, 
I don't think I'd ever been that tired after, like, especially <laughs> for six months after mm-hmm. the baby's born because first your body's been through insanity. Um, you know, our daughter, uh, Emma, she was a C-section, and then I was able to have mm-hmm. our daughter, Caitlin, through vaginally, and so my recovery was very different um, mm-hmm. for both. And then we adopted two. So I always tell my younger two, oh, y'all wow. are the easiest labor ever. <laughs> you just walk through the front door. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that's wonderful. But, wow. Yeah. But it was it was just different. And But then, you, like you're saying, you, you focus on different things at different ages. But um, right. sometimes your brain goes there. Sometimes it doesn't. And so give yourself a break because absolutely um, everybody has bad writing to everybody, you know. Um, I mean, Nora right. Roberts didn't start writing until her kids were middle school, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like they were, yeah. they were, they were decently. I mean, they could make themselves a sandwich. I mean, they were You're right. old enough. That's the key. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I so don't beat yourself up. So all just, the yeah. all the time you don't think that you're writing, you're collecting material. You know, Nora Ephron said everything is copy. I mean, I now write what I call mom com, and so I am taking all all things that happened to me while I was raising my children and I'm using them in my work. And, you know, you don't have to write mom-com in order to have been, you know, a mother who now writes, but, you know, all the experiences you, yeah. you've had during that time are useful and will help you. Yes. Oh, for sure. Like you can take um, uh, just a little, you know, notebook. You can write in that. You can text yourself. I text myself stuff all the time. Like, oh, sure. well, yep. don't forget to put this in. Um was it one time I had a, and I've mentioned it before on the show, but one time I had a coffee shop scene in one of my books, and um, I couldn't come up with anything really creative about co- what, you know, orders people call out. So I just sat at mm-hmm. Starbucks for like three hours one day and just wrote out, just wrote down every brilliant. single order. Right. And That's it brilliant. Was, I and love of that. course, it was a break for me, right? It was a break for me. Um, right. But it was, it was also like, man, people are weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Oh my God, you could you see a you lot know. at a coffee shop. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and the stuff people talk about—they don't think anyone listens. So right. Like, really? I'm sitting right here. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent material. Yes. Well, how did you do this? With um, were you part of a writers group when you started your fiction writing? So the very first thing I did was take a little um, adult continuing education course, you know, those little flyers that come through, the little catalogs that come through the mail. Um, I took sure. a course called Just Write, at, uh, which was, took place in a little classroom in a church, you know, a couple towns over, uh, run by a woman who is a fiction writer and author. And it really was just uh-huh. to get you past that, that stumbling block of, like, I want to write but I can't write, or I don't know how to write, or I'm afraid. I'm afraid to write. What am I? Or what am I going to write about? Sure. And it was really so great. You just basically, you know, it was a big group of people, and we all sat in this classroom, and we wrote little essays, or a paragraph, or a little short story, and we read them out loud. It was the only goal was to get yourself to put pen to paper. And from there, um, two things happened. I was invited into a short story writing workshop with the same author, the same teacher, and I also did form a writer's group with some of the women who I've been in that class with, and we are all still very friendly today, and that was a while ago, so yeah. 
And we would go to the cafe in Barnes and Noble by us every week for years. And, you know, everybody would get out their laptops and we'd keep adding to the table. You know, you those have those little two person tables and push the tables together and, you know, everybody would put their laptops yeah. on the tables and, and write. So that was great. And those, you know, women are all still very good friends of mine. Um, and then I think you just asked, did I join a group? The other thing that I do definitely want to shout out to is the Women Fiction Writers Association, um, which uh-huh. is a very large national group of women who write women's fiction. And if any of your listeners are women fiction writers, absolutely join this group. Changed, it absolutely changed my life. And um, I didn't join them until after I had already written a few manuscripts that had not gotten anywhere. But it's a great organization uh-huh. that offers workshops and, and retreats and conferences and you know, just all kinds of super support. And I've made so many friends through there, and everyone is very generous and very um, supportive. And so as a writer, you know, that's the kind of, you know, thing that you mentioned earlier, you know, we have a lot of solitary time. So this is, you know, a good, very good way to connect with our community. So I highly recommend oh, the Women's sure. Fiction Writers Association. Yeah. What's their website? Do you know? Okay. Um, I think it's www.womensfictionwritersassociation.com. I'm going to try to look it okay. up while we're talking. Um, okay. And then and I will also put a link in the write-up of the show. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, too, it's also important because you know, a lot of people, I, I remember being in writer's groups and, you know, small sessions that people will do breakout sessions and what have you. And you would mm-hmm. have people and they're like, but I'm a tech writer, so I don't need a proofreader. You know, I know what, I know my mm-hmm. story's doing fine. Or I'm, I'm, you know, write grant proposals. Or I, I wrote fiction in high school or whatever. And all that's great. It, it, it's important. But if you don't get another set of eyes on your paper or your, or your, oh, yeah. um, your work, you're just asking for disaster because as, yeah. as brilliant as we all like to believe we are, um, and a lot <laughs> of us are, um, sometimes stories don't work and we don't mm. see it because we read mm-hmm. it all day and we are filling in the blanks as we're reading. Um, right. So yeah, get, get somebody you trust to yeah. proofread and don't take it personally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is very hard. Very hard. Yes. That's one of the things that you have to learn as a writer is to, take critique and my idea of taking critique is like pouting for two days and you know, saying <laughs> I'm never speaking to that person again and then sort right. of realizing oh, oh yeah they're right and you know they're not it's not me that they're you know I just I couldn't see that I didn't make this clear or I couldn't see that this is not you know the way something should end or you know any number of things right so let's yeah. talk about your book that just came out. It's a debut novel, and it just came out Tuesday. It's called Welcome to the Neighborhood, and it has a super cute cover. Uh, it's pink. Thank you. You can find it at Target and um, Barnes and & Noble and all these fun different places. And if you check out her Instagram, she's got all of these pictures of them going around and seeing it at the different, um, the different uh, stores. So if you see it, take a picture and then tag Lisa. Uh, on social oh, media yes, again, please. I have all of her social media links up. So writers I w- love this, and, and and just so you know, every writer loves this. I mean, it. I don't. If you've read, you know, Kristen Higgins for years and years, whatever, and her new book comes out, or you see one of her books, take a picture with the book in the store and send it to. Her. I mean, like, 
Every writer loves this. So Lisa will love this. So send it. I will love it. I will absolutely love it. Please yes. send it to me. Yes. 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 Someone just told me <laughs> that uh, they are taking the book to L.A. on vacation. And I said, oh, my God, uh-huh. please send me a picture of that because I, it's pouring rain in New Jersey and dark and damp. And I would love a picture of at least my book, Guy Gets a Sunny Day. You know, that would be great. <laughs> yes. Yes. So tell me about the story. Okay, let me, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Um, it's the story about a woman named Ginny Miller, who after years of struggling to make ends meet, um, she falls for this really sweet guy named Jeff. And um, she just, uh, he invites her and her 11-year-old daughter named Harry who, to move in with him into the home where he lived with his ex-wife, where he raised his family um, in a very okay. tony suburb in New Jersey. And she thinks that's a great idea. She has no qualms about it. I mean, she, she and Harry live in a, in a fourth floor walk up in Queens and share a bedroom. And the idea of moving into his house seems lovely. I mean, she doesn't care that it's in a, she doesn't care about material things. She's an artist and she, you know, that's not really what's sparking it. But, you know, it's a beautiful town, a great house, a big backyard, a swing set, you know, kids on the street, a good school system. So she's sold. And then she meets the neighbors. Uh, Let's just say chaos, okay. chaos ensues. Chaos ensues. Okay. So uh, chaos ensues, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you bring in some of this from your own experiences growing up? Like the, you know, the, you have the ever-shifting alliances of PCA moms and real housewives, contenders, and mean girl daughters, and, um, you know, all this. Is, is this all, um, you know, from personal experience? Witnessing? Well, I like to say that no one in my book is real, that I like to call my characters Frankenstein because I take pieces of people I have seen here, there, and everywhere and, you know, stitch them together to become a a, a completely fictional character. But I do live in New Jersey. I do live in an upscale town. I have raised my children here. I do have a daughter who has, you know, been through the school system and I was a PTA mom, and I did a lot of volunteer work. And so, you know, without pointing anybody out, I'll just say that, yeah, of some course. of this was um, inspired by. And then, you know, one of the other yes. things that, um, you know, that, I, that is not as obvious is that uh, I really wanted to tell the story about somebody moving into a new town and starting again and starting over because I have an experience of having to move around a lot when I was a kid and as an adult. And every time you move around, you have to sort of, you know, reinvent yourself, not reinvent yourself. That's the wrong thing. You have to reposition yourself to fit into what's already happening in the area where you just moved in. So, you know, right. uh, do Do you change yourself? Do you change your appearance? Do you change the way you act? Do you, do you go along to get along or do you, you know, stand up for yourself and, and say, you know, this isn't me. And I think that's the dilemma that both the mother and the daughter have in this book is that they have been thrust into a, you know, into a, a neighborhood that really isn't anything that they've ever known before. And, you know, so they sort of have to navigate their way through it. So that's a right. that that's near and dear to me because I am, you know, and somewhat, I'm like what, what they call a happy introvert, 
Like I can do an hour talking to you on the phone and have, we can have a great time, but then my energy levels go down and I just want to sit and write my book or read a book or whatever. So I'm not really great at those big social, you know, I don't know anybody. I'm just going to talk to everybody type thing. So I could relate to my main characters in that situation very strongly. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think everybody can certainly relate regarding moving and having to start over because we all do it at different stages of our lives. But I mean, right. When it's just you, it's a different perspective versus you and a child. Right. Like, yeah. Cause you feel like, well, should I fit in to make it better for her or him? Even though I don't necessarily agree or, you know, I do whatever. So it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. the idea and that and is absolutely, it, it can be yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and that's absolutely my main character's um, perspective you know should she you know if, if, if it was just her she might have turned around and moved out but you know she what she what she thinks she wants for her daughter makes her um, sort of tolerate certain certain situations that she may not have prior to that you know if she if she was on her own sure. so yeah it's exactly that yeah, like you said, being a mom's heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at, yes. at every stage, uh, my definitely. kids are my kids are all are adults now, and I still have, you know, my moments. So. Oh yeah, well of course. I mean, it, I think sometimes our kids, you know, of course they always want to know that you're that mama bear that's always going to be ready, um, you know, to be there for them, whatever it is. Right. So it's right. It's and, um and you will. Yeah, it's a definite process. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. But it's interesting cuz I'll tell my kids it's like, look, I'll, you know, stand up for you if whenever that has to happen, but you know, you got to own your choices too. So, I mean, it's, it's mm. just not a, you know, you don't get a blank check, right? Because right. it's you can't just be whatever you want and then expect me to defend bad behavior. I mean, you're going to have to Oh, right. Well, there's that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, I'm sure uh, with with these neighbors in this town, there's some people that need to be doing that, and they're just not. um, Yeah. Bad behavior's rewarded. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they don't see it as bad behavior. (laughs) You know, everyone's perspective is different. One man's bad behavior is, you know, another person's like, oh, look how cute and funny that that kid is. So, yeah, (laughs) there's that, too. Yeah. Oh, they're so precocious. It's like, no, they're not. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> really not. Okay, so you've got Welcome to the Neighborhood. It's out now. Um, how did you go about pitching this? What was your process with Soulmate? I mean, not Soulmate, Sourcebook. Well, so um, I took a, took a workshop a couple of years ago. I'm sort of backing up to working my way into getting to that. I took a workshop a couple of years yeah. ago and part of the part of the workshop was an opportunity to pitch, you know, to give a thirty second pitch to to some agents. Um, we had, you know, yes. sort of at the end of the workshop we all went to a agency and and I went there with a paragraph and I and you know, there were fifteen of us in a room and we went around in a circle and everybody, you know, gave their spiel and I went last and um I, 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 I had made up like an hour prior to that. I made up this genre that I that I thought I, I was like, oh my god, I'm a genius. I just thought of this. I'm going to call my work <laughs> momcom. Uh-huh. And 
having, you know, living in a bubble, having absolutely no idea that mom-com is actually a thing. It's not a, you know, it's not a widespread thing. It's a relatively new genre, but it's a thing. But I thought I made it up. And so one of the things that I did in my presentation was that I said, you know, that this book is mom-com. And an agent from across the room said, oh, mom-com, I love that. But, you know, she didn't say, mom-com, I love that, give me your manuscript. She just said, mom-com, I love that. Right. So, you know, nothing happened. And I finished the book. And when the book was done, I sent it to her. And uh, she, you know, it wasn't as easy. It took longer. And, you know, I had, I had already sent out, you know, 75 queries and gotten rejected rejections for, you know, from a lot of agents. I finally got it, got it to her desk and it took her a while to read it, but she ended up loving it as she loved the momcom. Uh-huh. And that um, agent is Rachel Ekstrom from Folio Management. Okay. And um, she, so I, I started working with her and another agent at uh, Folio because sometimes they do these tag team agenting things. Um, with right. uh, Aaron Numata. Aaron Numata is my other agent. And they sold, you know, I worked with them for a while. For about six months, we worked back and forth to revise the book. And then they sold the book to Sourcebooks. So that's kind of okay. how it went. Yeah. It yeah. Seems so it's a process. Simple and easy in telling it. You know, it's like, oh, so they sold it. You know, I, no, it's, you know, it was, a, you know, it was a lot of rejection. Yeah. It was a lot of rewriting. It was a lot of time waiting. You know, it's just you really have to, you know, have a stiff upper lip, you know, for for this kind of this kind of stuff. But you know, in the end, they sold it to source books, which was thrilling. Very excited about that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting because people think, oh, I want that book, and then the you know they just write you a check. It's like absolutely not. I mean, there's this whole process that happens. And what has always floored me is. Um, there's different things that uh, writers used to use, submit and you get a rejection. And you can, they, they, there's a thing called submit, revise and submit. So they right. will, um, you know, write. So they'll say, well, I like what you've done here, but if you'll fix these things, I'll read it again. And so right. um, a lot of times, if, for those who don't know, a proposal, a book proposal is a synopsis, so a long overview of your story. Um, and then the first three chapters is usually your synopsis. It depends on what the agency or um, publisher wants. So read the read the submission guidelines, please, because like 50% yeah. of the people who read submission guidelines don't do it. Um, yeah. So there's that, but then you have all the stuff that goes on. So you've got you know the submission, the the, the revise. A lot of people don't revise and resubmit. Like mm. I was talking to someone, and it's like 90%. Hmm. And I just think. Oh my God! You got a bite. Why are you taking yeah. it back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's, that's somebody insane. who doesn't realize how how um, rare it is to be able to score an agent. I heard um, a number, and this might be wrong, but I heard it that it's easier to get into Harvard than to get an agent. So if you get a bite <laughs> from an agent, you you follow through. You know, and I had to revise right. and resubmit once, and I did it. I revised and resubmit, and the agent said to me, "Nah, I, no, even." I don't think it's no, right. no, thank you. So, you know, but you still have to do it. I mean, there's a, just, you know, there's so much work that you follow, you know, you really just need to have follow through. It's a really big part of becoming a writer and getting to, you know, getting to the point where you could see your book on a shelf is all the stuff Absolutely. that you sees. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm trying to calculate this back. You probably got 
the news of all this right around when the pandemic started then because it takes what about exactly. nine months to a year about to get the book like to schedule it out so my book I got my offer 18 months before the book 18 months ago so 18 months before the book came out right um, so right. yes it all happened I got the call from my agents in January of 2020 and, you know, then we went into the lockdown March of 2020. And so I spent a good part of the, that time, you know, the next six months where I couldn't leave my house really anyway, revising, going back yeah. and forth, revising my book with my agents. And then it was on submissions sort of still during, you know, the pandemic time. And, you know, I mean, pandemic, yeah. it's still with us. I mean, I'm still, I personally am still kind of in lockdown because my husband has a, is immune compromised. So we're really still very mm-hmm. careful. But, um, so, you know, everything kind of happened while I was, you know, at my kitchen table anyway. So I've been in the same yeah. sweatpants slash, you know, hoodie <laughs> for two years now. <laughs> Anyone who saw my social media of me doing my pub day crawl yesterday, uh, on Tuesday, that's like the nicest outfit I've had on in years. You're not going to see that again. <laughs> right, right. There's I a way for my next, my next book to come out. Right. I always love it when um, you know I talk to authors before they come on because there's the question always happens. There's is this video because you know people obviously need to know um, right what the deal is and, and and the most fun I get to say is nope you don't even have to wear a bra. <laughs> I you said that to me and I was like my whole timber changed for this interview. I was like I mean I am wearing a bra for those who want to know but I was <laughs> like yay because I you know also. As a person who has been home for the last couple of years, who's been in my sweatpants yeah. and pajama bottoms, who hasn't had makeup on, has had my hair in a musty bun, I am not comfortable on on camera. You know, I'm not an I'm not an you know a, a professional entertainer or whatever. And I just am so in awe of these authors who can spend all this time alone and writing and solitary, and then go out in the world and just be so polished and perform so well. So I was so thrilled that you and I are you know, just chit-chatting like normal people. <laughs> yeah, my day. Just, just, just hanging out. No big deal. So yeah. So exactly. when you come on, the sh- come on my show, you do not have to wear a bra, which is awesome. Yeah, um, I love that. Even the dudes, you don't have to wear one. If you want to, you can. <laughs> but whatever works for you, I don't care. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. So you do have a second book on your website. Um, I do. That's coming. The show must go on. Is it the yes. same series? Okay. Okay. So, so can you tell us anything uh, about it? I, I can tell you a little bit because it's really still in the process. I have a two-book contract, so it's definitely coming. Um, it's definitely going to be a book now titled The Show Must Go On, but uh, the title okay. may change. So that's why, you know, I sort of snuck it down at the bottom of my website. But it is a story sure. about a woman whose soccer star daughter suffers a a season-ending injury, and her mother convinces her to try out for the high school theater production of The Great Gatsby. And so the book Uh is about, um, it's really, you know, it's it's a mom-com, like, you know, that's my thing, and it's a a mother-daughter relationship story, and it does take place in an upscale town, uh, but they are not, the, the two books are not connected. And it's really the story of, you know, sort of the mother's experience um, volunteering for her daughter's play and all the drama that goes on backstage 
you know, with, with the parents sure. and the moms and, and all that. So uh, it's right now it's supposed to be coming out August 2023. So, um, but okay. I'm still, I'm, you know, in the middle of, revi- of revising. I just got an edit letter back last week to my editor and we're working on, we're working on more. So I don't know if dates and titles and things are going to change, but that is going to be the book. So I'm very excited. So a lot of because I go ahead. Go ahead. Stuart, you're very excited. So what I'm just gonna say, I, I'm a draw. I am a former drama mama. So um, my daughter uh, was an actress, and and so you know it's just gonna be a really it's it's a really fun book for me to be presenting to uh, to people. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's it's um, it, it, when you have kind of an anchor of of a story that everybody knows, The Great Gatsby. Um, yeah, a lot of people were <laughs> forced to read in school or um, watch, or watch the movie. Aware of watch, it, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, it kind of helps tie it in, you know, to, to kind of give you a, a place to start. But, but also, I mean, I remember my brothers, they were both played football. Um, and I'm in mm-hmm. Texas, so, you know, it's, it's huge That's here. Huge. Um, yeah. You know, one played offensive line um, and one play defense and both of them uh, were predicted to go all state their senior years and about oh, wow. game three or four for both of them each of them blew out their knees for different reasons just huh? it. oh god you know wow and so um, yeah like my one brother just you know he was going to tackle someone and his knee just locked and so he went and his knee stayed and um, she just he ripped his ACL and my other brother got tackled um, and ripped his ACL. So, and they, and neither one of them were thinking they were really going to play. If they got to play in college, it was going to be a very small, you know, school. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, it's, that's it. I mean, that people just don't realize, you know, Oh yeah, they're going to play like you're saying, you know, season engine season ending injury. Um, You have to have those grades there because man, you just, Things change, right? And Quick. you know, one of the things, one of the things that I did with my—it's a teenager, the girl, the daughter, in the book is a teenager—is that, you know, a lot of these kids have been playing since kindergarten, and that's their life. Yeah. That's you know, that's that's their world, that's their social life, and when you and when you can't do something, suddenly can't do something that you've been doing your whole life, especially when you're 15, yeah. where you know the whole world is, you know, you know. Is, is dramatic. I mean, it's a big deal. Everything's so, dramatic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everything's dramatic. So, you know, this story is about a woman trying to, you know, kind of get her daughter through this t- this period where, you know, the daughter thinks her world is over. So, um, sure. You know, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's a lot you yeah. know, to be, and those injuries are so, you know, obviously they're never your fault. And you don't generally don't have any control over whether you're going to be injured or not. So it's really a shock when it, when it happens to you. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, you know, you say that and I have a cousin who, um, she was about 18, 19 had played volleyball, basketball, you know, all of it. And I think about a year after she graduated high school, she was in a car accident. It wasn't a bad one, um, but it was enough to mess up her back. And then, you know, now she can't play. Um, mm. for quite a while. And she just, I remember talking to her many times. She's just like, I don't know what to do. Because she was coaching. She was, you know, to go into school and she was coaching. She was helping other kids. And then she'd play, you know, just for fun. And now she can't do it. And it just changed the whole trajectory. 
So sure. yeah, that's a huge big deal. Yeah. So wow, yeah. you really yeah. hit a, a deep subject there that, you know, kind of on the surface doesn't seem like a deep, but it is. It's a big deal. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and, you know, when you think about it, it all has to do with the whole concept of identity. You know, what is your identity? Yeah. How do you present yourself to the world? And how, how easy is it to change that? Because, you know, this girl who's been playing soccer her whole life tries out for the school play. I mean, that, those couldn't be two more different worlds in many respects. Right. So, you know, right. it's, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge. Right. And I and hope it will work you know, out. We also have different... Right. And you also have different um, types of personalities in the different groups um, yeah. as well, depending on how big your school is, of course. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, you can have some really interesting dynamics going on there for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, fingers crossed. Wow. <laughs> it sounds yeah. fantastic. So I'm going to go ahead and pencil you in for August of next year for the show. Perfect. I, I'd love <laughs> I'll, It'll be a lot of time to decide the bra, the bra situation by then. Yes, we still probably won't need to wear bras then either. So, Perfect. and that'll be great. Um, yeah. Which means that I, we need to get sponsored by like Torrid or, you know, Victoria's Secret or someone to encourage people to wear cool bras <laughs> for the show. So, if you're listening, I'm ready for you to sponsor this show. Um, or, you know, Sheen or whatever you know, group wants to come talk to us. Soma. Um, but, <laughs> So you've got this, and you've got your next one. Do you have any other, like, indie projects or any other smaller projects you're working on along with these? You know, I really don't because, like I mentioned about being a mother and just being, like, laser-focused on that for a while, I'm really Uh laser-focused on whatever story I'm working on. Like, I think about it all the time. I have this fantastic thing called Aqua Notes, which is a waterproof pad and pencil that I keep in the shower because I come up, you know, wow. I, you know I, I, I dictate into my phone when I'm driving. So I'm just really sort of all consumed with, like, getting, you know, the story and that down. And so I kind of am a single – my husband calls it single stringing your projects. Like, I do one thing, <laughs> and then, you know, if I've got some time, like, I wrote a couple of essays in between, you know, uh, um, Welcome to the Neighborhood being finished and, and starting – the show must go on, but mostly I'm just working on the one project, you know, just full full blast. Okay, sure. so you're ready. And then, what do you have? Something like a third book planned, or do you have a continuation of the series? Do you have something I, bubbling for after this one? I have two ideas that I cannot talk about because they're so unformed, okay. and I have not discussed them with either my agents or my editor, but. Um, I do have two things, and it'll be in the same, you know, like Lisa Rowe brand. I'm using two finger yeah. quotation marks around it. You know, the sort of the, you know, the same kind of, you know, all my stories take place in suburban New Jersey. They are mother-child relationships. They are, you know, they, sure. there's a little bit of romance. I didn't actually talk about the romance in either of my books, but there's a little bit of romance in every book. You know, it's not a romance. But it's really a you know mother right. child mother daughter story. But there's always some some romance because you know you know yes we're moms and we're mama bears as you as you mentioned before. But we're also humans. There's yeah there's other aspects of our lives that are very important. I think very important to to include in the story. So yes, but I do have two percolating ideas exactly, um, which I maybe when I come back next August I'll I'll say more. <laughs> okay. 
well, yeah, you're right about the romance part because mama sees some romance, you know? And so, yeah, that just seems like it's a no brainer, but it's weird because people are like, oh, well, they're married. It's like, and? <laughs> yeah. Will yeah. all end to them? Like, please. Right. That's right. what's really important, by the way. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, everybody. Um, oh, the Senate has confirmed uh, Miss Judge Jackson. So she will be the oh, first fantastic. black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. So, so it is a done that's deal. This is super, wonderful. Super exciting. Super exciting. Oh, I'm glad you yeah. told me. I'll have to run downstairs yeah, and turn just on the TV after we're done. Feed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and Excellent. I think that you were talking about the mother-daughter relationships. That what pops in my head right now is that I don't know if you've seen it, but that picture of her daughter looking at her while she is yes. being to, oh God, what a picture! Yes. Yes. Wow, yeah, that is yeah, that's, like, that's, that's super exciting. My, my <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exciting when and you know it, it it's very cool when you do things as a mother proud of and you know I know you saw those pictures of me on Tuesday with my, with my husband yes. and my two grown children who both do not live near me and both got on trains and came out to see me and spend the day with me um, because, you know, they were just sort of so, you know, saying how proud they were and excited they were. And, um, you know, I have to say that one of the, you know, writing is a long and, and often disappointing process as we, as, you know, you know as well. And I have yeah. to quit writing so many times that damn it I you know I can't do this anymore I'm just <clears throat> done with them and I did never quit because I wanted my kids to see me succeed I didn't want my kids to see me quit I wanted my to show my kids that I was more than just somebody who made grilled cheese and um, you know so it kind of you know it sort of goes around to to, to what you're saying about um, Judge Jackson I mean it's just you know, sometimes when you, the things you do for yourself are the things that you do for your kids as well. Yeah. You know, just examples oh, you sure. set and or work really hard at setting. So, um, And one thing yeah. I wanted to shout out for all moms is please, please, please make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Do your annual checkups. Do your, you know, if it's time to do mammograms, please do those. I know they're not fun. Um, if you have any concerns about your health or wellness or something's changed, Please advocate for yourself and talk to your physician or your health care provider. We're really good as moms at putting ourselves last. Absolutely. Um, and please don't do that. So I, I, I'm a big, huge, um, a very cancer um, advocate, awareness advocate. And so, you know, we see so many women that were feeling these symptoms for way too long and just didn't, mm. didn't ask, didn't advocate for themselves didn't you know. and so it's, it's important that you really step up and say okay I have to do this for me so I can continue to take care of the people I care about um, right so it's yeah so it's, it's important so please 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 do those things um, take care of yourself ladies and if you're listening gentlemen or ladies who have significant others um, female significant others please encourage your significant others your loved ones people you care about to advocate for their health and, you know, take care of themselves. So it's important. Um, so thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here today. I absolutely adore talking to you. Um, and I cannot wait to hear about your next book. And, um, you know, I've already got your book, so I'm super excited to go take it around and let it have some vacation time in the sun. Oh, take a picture. Take a picture. <laughs> 
I will. I will. And thank you so much for having me. This was really a blast. I really enjoyed it. Well, I'd, oh, love, to come, I'd love to come back and do it again next year. Excellent. And you know, we come back sooner than that. You don't have to wait. Okay. Time. Okay, good. good. <laughs> you're, you're on. So this has been... This has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. I have been talking to Lisa Rowe. Her debut novel came out this past Tuesday called Welcome to the Neighborhood, and it is a mom-com, and you will love it. It's a lot of fun. And then you can also find her at her newsletter, her website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, and all those links are in the write-up of the show, as well as her link for her book. And I will also put the link in for the Women's Fiction Writers for anybody who might be interested in reaching out to them. So thank you again, Lisa. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Patricia. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And everybody, everybody listening, take care of yourself and keep on reading. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.